Chapter Seventeen of The Sorrows of a Showgirl, A Story of the Great White Way by Kenneth McGaffey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Sabrina, in spite of the anti betting law, goes to the racetrack and returns with money. She also drops a few remarks concerning gentlemen who claim their scarf pins have been purloined by ladies them senators that put the kibosh on that racetrack bill can consider themselves as personal friends of every chorus fluff that ever scanned a dope sheet remarked sabrina the showgirl as she alighted from a new big automobile pipe the ferry boat it's all mine name on every piece and i am personally thankful to those gents that i am the proud possessor of the same did i catch well i should hope so dear i landed this buzz wagon out of a ten dollar pike bet can you surpass it talk about playing and luck wait until i touch wood wilbur says betting on the races beats trifling with the affections of an expense account all to pieces you know that though i lead a simple and uneventful existence the inheritance that was left me was pretty near all in and it was either up to me to get married get a job on one of the roofs or catch a live one and i thought the best of all the evils was to catch the aforementioned live one I'm not one of these Janes that goes dotty over the pitapats, and though I always sit up until the morning telegraph comes out on the street, the racing news is not the first thing I turn to. Wilbur's show closes in a couple of weeks, and he is going to the island for the summer. Can that old stuff. I mean Coney, not Blackwell's. I've been piking around for a hunch for some time, and just the other evening I was out with a party who was interested in the bet-placing business at all of the big tracks, and he said he was hep to a few killings, and any time I would come out, he would give them to me, and I could play the other books. Knowing that he had influence, I naturally took an interest in him. But say, this is a long, sad story, and— Ah, certainly. I knew you could not suppress your southern hospitality much longer. That is, I hoped you couldn't. Yes, waiter, bring me a long one. Well, I took a peep at my checkbook about a week ago, and decided that it was me for the track. I meets this wop, and he certainly lands me in right. He gives me a twenty-case note and the card. I got the twenty changed, and plants ten of it in the Lyle Thread Bank, making up my mind that no matter what happened the day would not be ill-spent. I place his tip at eight to one on the first race, and catches. Out of that ninety, I plant forty. Still following the kind gentleman's advice, I pikes the fifty on a dog in the second race, and he never does come in. Can you beat that? This betting person picks the whole card but this one race. I lose my fifty and was thinking seriously of going home, when I got a yen to try it again so I dug up a twenty out of the hose. Honest, it nearly broke my heart to separate myself from that roll, but I just had to do it. I get twenty to one, go into hysterics at the quarter, faint at the half, but come to in time to see my money coming in so far ahead, it looked as if he was out for a pleasure trip. Can you see me with that four hundred in my mitt? Talk about throwing fits. Why, I had the leamy ladies looking like children romping on the nursery floor. There was nothing to it. I had a hunch to grab the bundle and beat it for home and crawl under the bed and then I had another hunch that told me to stick for the big show. I plant one century in my war bag, and got seven to two on the next with the other three. I win. Then I do want to go home. I felt ill. But just then a gentleman introduced himself to me, and we went and had a little drink. That made me feel better, and so I ditched the purveyor of refreshments and fled to the clubhouse. There's nothing more to tell, except that I couldn't lose, and I came home in an automobile with my clothes so full of this evergreen stuff that I looked as if I had spavins or something else. I made six thousand dollars on the day, which is not so bad for a poor fluff like me. That night the gentleman who gave me the tips called me up and wanted his original twenty back, 
saying the public got all his roll. Can you beat that? I told him I thought he was a moonstone sport, and to never darken my door again. He needed money bad, and through a friend I let him have a couple of thou on this machine. Ain't I the business woman? Wilbur and I have just been riding ourselves to death ever since. He has been acting awful lately. Ever since he heard that Friar Weber and Friar Field were going to appear together at the festival, he has been soused. It was all I could do to restrain him from kissing Phil Mindle in the Cadillac the other evening. He just doesn't care what he does. Have you bought your tickets? Let me see. I have six choice ones here in the seventh row. You want to bring your family, of course, because it will be the chance of a lifetime. Nothing like it seen before under one canvas. For stellar attractions, it's going to have Barnum and Bailey's looking like a Sunday school entertainment. Yes, sir, and I personally will be there like the Trinity Chimes. Alla McSweeney has gone and blown herself for one of these race-course hats. You know these big things that have a half-mile track around the outside? While I do not wish to injure the poor dear, still I will say that she certainly looks one of these long-handled Jap umbrellas. You know, she is such a skinny thing. Honest, this new hip style they are boosting this season just saved her life. She was getting saddle galls from carrying so many naturals. I wouldn't say this unless I absolutely knew, and of course I have seen her early in the morning when you haven't. There are little confidences us girls exchange in the privacy of our boudoirs that would never do for the ear of a man. She tried to get a job as one of those six-foot girls in the love waltz, but the manager told her she had better go with the circus. She naturally queried why, and he, the rude thing, told her she could get a job as a quarter-pole. That's why she could never get a job with the held show. She was all right in low neck, but when it came to tights, well, you know Bowlegs never did appeal to the front row. Mind you, I wouldn't say a thing that would hurt her character the least bit, but you should have seen the way she carried on when she was out in Chicago. You know that anyone who runs around with those LaSalle Street spendthrifts loses class anyway, and she just tore around that north side something scandalous. Until my dying day, I will never forget the scene she and the comedian's wife had on the platform in that dear Peoria. Ella, bless her heart, she is a good soul, is a flighty creature, and she accepted the attentions of the comedian, which his wife was not supposed to be Jerry to. But one day some gabby girl put wifey next. We were all down to the station waiting for the train to come in, when up romps wifey to this doll, who is making the big talk with a chorus man. Just shows you what extent she will go for company. She was talking to this chorus man, and wifey capers up to her and says, You've been flirting with my husband, haven't you? And hauling off, wifey hangs one on Alla's map, that is a thing of beauty and a joy forever. Bing goes Alla to the platform, down and out. She was in such a trance that we had to rub her hands and borrow a drink from the press agent, who came back with the show to see if he couldn't get his salary, before she would come too. Pale, why, that girl was so white that her number 18 looked like big gobs of red paint on each cheek. I never saw a girl so surprised in my life. For the nonce, she was nonplussed. She didn't know what to make of it. When she did, you should have heard the language she used. It is not for me to tell it in a respectable crowd, for I only use it to Estelle, that's my maid, when she pulls my hair, but it was certainly not fit for publication in a family newspaper. She's continually getting into trouble. If it ain't one thing, it's another. It's a wonder to me she hasn't been pinched oftener than she has. I never will forget one time she was out riding with a handsome gentleman from Pittsburgh in a cab, and while leaning on his shoulder, his diamond scarf-pin got caught in her teeth. She being a bashful young thing, then. Well, when she takes her head off his shoulder, the pin naturally comes along, too, and then she got afraid that he would think she was trying to nick it, so she stuck the pin in her hat-band, intending to restore it on the way home. But in the next cafe they stopped in, she picked a fight and left him in a huff. Would you believe it? That guy had the nerve to come around the next day and declare that she had pinched the bauble and threatened to land her in the booby-hatch if she didn't come across. 
and they call that chivalry. No true gentleman would ever threaten to have a lady sent up. Did he get his pin? Well, I should say not. She threw such a strong bluff about suing him for defamation of character that he came across with two hundred cold to keep her quiet. But don't breathe this to a soul unless they promise not to tell. I wouldn't have it get out that I ever said anything about her for worlds, for, though we are the best of friends, I am leaving her no opening to hand me one. Don't think for a minute that I have a past I am afraid to bring before me. My fair young life has been as quiet and uneventful as an old mill stream. Fact. You see, still water runs deep, and the race is not always to the swift. And goodness knows I would have no one say that about me. I'm a bohemian, whatever that is. Lots of dames I know have pass. Why, every time you mention Sid Eusens to Laura, she nearly coughs up a spasm. And to even breathe medicine show, to a certain leading man I know, he will immediately cut you off his calling list. The benefit business is not as prosperous this year as it had been heretofore. I know several parties that have actually lost money on them. Now that Lent is over, I am going to have a good time. I always observe Lent some way. This year I swore off refusing drinks or suppers. Wilbur and I expect to be made one as soon as he locates his next season's job. He's got one in sight that looks pretty good. A certain party has signed for it, but Wilbur gets it if this party drops dead, so now Wilbur is following him around, telling him that he looks poorly. We ought to be very happy when we get married, for Wilbur will be out ahead of a show all season, and I will be here in New York. What more would a happy bridal couple desire? Well, I must toddle along, as the hour is late and my automobile is getting impatient. Be good, and don't forget that you promised on your word and honor to take six tickets for the Friar Festival for me. Say, party, if you need any change, give me the office, and I will slip it to you. End of chapter 17